Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. So this evening, I just want to give a very brief exhortation on why we pray. Why should we pray? Or why do we pray? Most times, we see prayers from just the one-sided perspective of asking God for something. Okay, so we find out that, okay... Uh, I need to get healing, I need to get uh, a wife, I need to get a husband, I need a child, I need this, I need that. So we always see prayer from the concept of asking God for something, which is not, I mean, it's not bad. Scripture says we should ask. But if that is the whole summary of our personal prayer life, then we wouldn't grow much spiritually. It's important for us to understand that prayer is not just about getting something from God. Because when we look at the life of Jesus in the four Gospels, talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus had a very strong prayer life. So the Bible tells us that while it is yet dawn, he will rise up to pray. So the question I like asking people is this, what do you think Jesus was praying about? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever thought about that? What was Jesus praying about? Did he need money? Was Jesus praying because he needed money? Talk to me now. Was Jesus praying because he needed money? Was Jesus praying uh, because he needed uh, what now? Uh, a wife? <laughs> okay. Was Jesus praying because he needed a job after the carpentry job construction work of train 7 stopped? <clears throat> Jesus needed to get another job. Okay, so why was Jesus praying? But he had a good prayer life. Sometimes the Bible even tells us that Jesus prayed all night. Right? So what was Jesus praying about? If he wasn't asking for all of these things. What was Jesus spending his time praying about? So if we found out, right, that Jesus was not praying about a job. Okay? Jesus was not praying about... uh, a house. Jesus was not praying about so many things. You now ask yourself, so what was Jesus praying about that he had to spend so much time in prayers? So we find out that prayer is not just a method of asking God for something. But rather, prayer is a primary way in which the believer fellowships with his father. Prayer is not a way of just asking God for something. Prayer is the primary way by which what? The believer fellowships with his father. So prayer is communication. Prayer is fellowship. Prayer is fellowship. It's not just a way. Prayer is not just um, a shopping list. Okay? I want to meet God. I want God to do this for me. To do that for me. To do this for me. To do this for me. And do that. When you finish that, you start from number 7. And make sure you don't miss number 8. And before December, I want you to do number 10. No, that's not what prayer is all about. Because if that was what prayer was all about, 
we will need to find out what was Jesus asking God to do for him. In fact, you will even find out that the time when Jesus needed to pray most, which was, um, which was um, at the Garden of Gethsemane, that's before, after the, the prayers of Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to arrest him, he told Peter that if I needed, I would have asked for a legion of angels to come. At that time where he needed angels to deliver him, he even preserved from praying because he wanted to fulfill God's purpose for his life. So why do we pray? Now we can find a reason why we pray from Matthew chapter 6. I have said it before that people call it the Lord's Prayer. But this is not the Lord's Prayer. Jesus was not the one praying here. He was teaching his disciples to pray. The prayer of Jesus is found in the book of John before he went to the cross. Matthew chapter 6. But on top of your Bible, you always find them call it the Lord's Prayer. So it's easy if you term it like that, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. We're asking ourselves, why do we pray? We want to start praying. Why should we pray? Go to Matthew chapter 6. And verse... uh, (laughs) Okay, now. Matthew chapter 6. And verse uh, 8. Okay. Do not be like them. Who was he talking about? He was talking about the hypocrites. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. Let's just read it from, from verse 5. Okay, let me use the New King James and I go to the Amplified. Verse 5. But when you pray, but, verse 5, and when you pray. So, the Bible says, when you pray. So, meaning that prayer is not optional. Right? When, it means it's not if you like to pray. It says when, that means you have to pray. So prayer is not optional. For the believer, prayer is not optional. You must schedule your prayer time. But I just want to say this. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. As surely I say to you, they have their reward. I remember when we were in school then, learning how to pray in tongues. You see some guys, you know, when they come praying in tongues. I would like, no, no, no. That tongues is not yet matured. <laughs> I mean, if you have that experience. You know, you see some guys' tongues. Like, ah! And then you even find out that people who go to some large churches, they, their tongues is almost like the tongues of the founder. You know? So there's a way Bishop Edibor speaks his tongue, there's a way Pastor Chris speaks his tongue, and when you find people from this fellowship, it's almost like they want to speak that way, because it looks like the, the tongues of the founder is the original one. <laughs> but every one of us, uniquely, if we have our experience with God, there will be how we pray in tongues. Okay? So he says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Our prayers is not so men will see us. Uh, uh, yeah, not so many with yours. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who is in secret will reward you openly. Now, this doesn't mean that we cannot pray corporately in church. There's a place of corporate prayers. I'm going to teach that on Sunday. But he was just trying to tell us that our father sees us in secret. And if we pray in secret, he will reward us openly. So it tells us that prayer is a process that when initiated, there is a reward. So there's nothing like, oh, I don't know if God is answering my prayers. No, he answers. I hear some people say, oh, when I prayed, I don't know if the prayer passed through the ceiling. (laughs) I don't know why he needed to go to the ceiling in the first place. You know, because for us, our, our concept of heaven is up. You know, when you tell people where is heaven, they point up. 
And when you point up, by geography, you are pointing another country. Okay. Let's not go there. But when you pray, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So there is the process of praying and answers to prayers. Let's go on. And when you pray, do not use vain reputation as the hidden do, for they think they will be heard, for there are many words. Now, we will take time to study this because uh, people have also missed this to say, oh, you cannot pray about the same thing for a long time. Okay, but we we'll spent time. That's not where we're going tonight. Let's go on. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So, if God knows, why does he need us to ask him? Now, we're going to go to the main agenda of prayer. But he says, your father knows what you need before you even ask. So, why is he saying you should ask? Okay, let's go on now. Verse what now? Verse 9, in this manner, pray, therefore pray. So, remember that he was teaching them to pray. He was teaching the disciples to pray. So, in this manner, therefore pray. So, he was telling them the way to pray. Our Father in heaven. Now, this is very important. (laughs) I hope you really understand my heart tonight in what I'm teaching. But this is important. When Jesus starts teaching his disciples on how to pray. He didn't teach them to say, start praying by say, oh God. That's very important. He says, pray how? Our Father. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because, because of our culture and because of what we call praise and worship in our churches, we find out that even when Christians want to pray, they want to hail God. So you hear things like, you know, somebody wants to pray. A believer wants to pray. And he starts saying like, you know, the God who fetches water with baskets. You know, the one who lights fire without uh, matches. You know, and thank God for our Yoruba brethren. You know, you know, you have all those names. And they say, give, you know, even hear people say, call him names, call him, just call him anything. And you're just supposed to say, bad it, You just call him names. <laughs> he says, when you pray, say our Father. He didn't say, when you pray, say the God who fetches water with baskets, the one who crosses ocean without canoe, the one who can paddock, <laughs> the one who can cross Bonito Potaco without a booking. You don't need all that. You don't need all that. He says, when you pray, say our Father. Those names, listen carefully to me now. Those names might be the function of God, but they are not relational names. You don't, you are not relating to God because he can fetch water without baskets. They are things he does and his attributes, but to you, he is Father. That's why you see that when you see all of those names that we're calling God, all those names, uh, you know, God who does thunder, God who does all of this, you can't find that in the New Testament. Paul never refers to God in the New Testament as the one who sees with six eyes. He doesn't do that. You, every time Paul prays, he says to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Every time Paul prays, he prays to the Father. Because what happened is that people were relating to God in the Old Testament with all of those names because they did not have a relationship with God. But when Jesus Christ came, he gave us a relationship with God. Romans tells us that the spirit of adoption has come upon our heart that we can call him what? Abba, Father. What God wants us to call him now is Father. Not the one who crosses the river without putting his foot on water. He's not impressed by that. He's impressed by relationship. That's why when Jesus rose from the grave and he was going ascending to heaven, he met Mary and says, listen, I'm going to my father and what? Your father. He was trying to say, and, and say, listen carefully to this. I say, when you read the Bible, pay attention to details. He says, when you pray, say our father. He didn't even say, say the father of Jesus Christ. He said, our father. Meaning that because of what I'm going to achieve on the cross, both of us are now going to share his fatherhood. But you still see believers. You know, sometimes when some believers are praying, I'm only like, really? You even say, stop, 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 stop. Call him more names. Call him something in your native language. Say something in your native language. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. But he just wants you to lift your hands and just say, Father, that's all. Why? Because listen carefully to this. All the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was for us to be able to call him Father. No one in the Old Testament could call God Father. They, they, they called him by those terrible names. And I'll shock you a bit to say that all of those names that people called him in the Old Testament were names of their personal experiences with God. What that means? Abraham was to offer Isaac, and God shows up and provided the ram, and he says, his name shall be called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord himself shall provide, or the Lord shall provide for himself a ram, a lamp for the sacrifice. So, Abraham got a personal revelation of God as the one who provides, and calls him by that name. And so many times they went out for for battles, and they had victory, and the Lord says, the Lord is our banner of victory. Those are personal experiences. But in the New Testament, he comes and says, listen, when you want to pray, say our Father. Don't just say, the God who flies without wings, say our Father. God doesn't want you to relate to him just by his function. He wants you to relate to him by who he is to you. So you see, every time Paul prays in the New Testament, he says this, to the Father of our Lord Jesus. To the Father. To the Father. He always uses the word Father. And listen, this is very important because it's going to link up with the next verse we're reading. And like I said, you know, sometimes when you teach, people hear many things. I'm not saying you can't call God all of those names. I'm saying that the greatest expression by which God wants you to refer to himself is to say our Father. This was what Jesus was teaching the disciples. He could have said, well, well, before you pray, say the Lord who parted the Red Sea. But he didn't reference that. He says, when you pray... Say, our Father. Because what God wants right now is relationship. And you know, sometimes, that's why, you know, sometimes when we pray, we always feel that we haven't done enough. 
Because it's for us, we cannot just come and say, Father, we just want to thank you for today. We just bless your holy name. It looks like, no, you have not prayed enough. You need to hail him. You need to make God happy. <laughs> I heard all kinds of things. He says, say our father. Just say our father. There are some prayers that you shouldn't be found praying right now. Why? Because Christ has changed everything about our relationship with God. So for instance, they say, okay, let's pray before the service starts. And you say, let us invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to be with us today. Number one question, where was he? Where was the Holy Spirit? Come on, where was the Holy Spirit? (laughs) He said, oh, (laughs) he just quickly went to collect his pass at the gate. The Bible says that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the scripture clearly tells us this he spake of the Spirit. And the word tells us where two or three are gathered, there am I in their midst. What do you pray in the New Testament? You acknowledge his presence. Father, thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in us and that's amongst us. You hear somebody pray after the service. Lord, as we are living here, we are not living in your presence. No, we don't. It's, the presence is in us. We are the ones that brought him here. We are the ones that will take him home. We are now the temple of the living God. He lives in us. It should reflect in our prayer. Don't say, I know. You know, but you are praying wrongly. You don't know. You know, I was talking to the other someone the other day. And he said, Pastor, I know this thing. I said, but it's not reflecting in the way you pray. You pray as if you are very far from God. You hear people say, oh, Father, don't leave me. He had said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. Even till the end of the age. Acknowledge that truth. In people's prayer, you would find their theology. Whatever you believe is what you will pray. Someone says, ah, you know, the Prince of Pesha. You we don't want the Prince of Pesha to stop our prayers. Where is the Prince of Pesha? The Bible says you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. How are you seated with Christ? You know, I'm seated with Christ and the Prince of Pesha is stopping our prayers. What that means is that I'm seated, there's a Prince of Pesha between us and, and there's Christ. What, 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 what problem do you have with the prince of Persia? He said, just as he stopped the prayer of Daniel. That's Daniel. Jesus says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy. There's nothing stopping you between the throne of grace. So we are not praying like victims. Are you following this? Say, before we pray now, yeah. oh God. Before we pray now, let's soak ourselves in the blood of Jesus. Let's just soak ourselves before we... What are you... For what? I'll say it again. The blood of Jesus essentially is for redemption. Are you following what I'm saying? These things are very important. 
in the way we pray. Because if we know that we cannot approach God as Father, it will affect our faith. He says, when you pray, we're just looking at this line. In this manner, pray, our Father. Don't say, just say Father. Because the spirit of adoption has come upon us, so we can cry, Abba Father. Why did God have to send His spirit on us to cry, Abba Father? Nobody could call God Father in the Old Testament. No one could, because He was not Father to them. He was just God. And everything Christ has done for us on the cross was was for us to be able to call God Father. You know how, you know, if you are a parent, yeah, child or, um, no, that's parents now, father, mother, you know, when you have a child, you know, one of the best words your, your son or your daughter will ever say is when they start calling you father or daddy or papa. When you hear that, it's like, finally I've given birth. <laughs> and you know, some women even, I mean, just jokingly, but some women even get angry because they do all the work. And then the first words the father utter is Papa. How many of you had that experience? Like all the women do. It's like the finished work of Christ. They do all the work. Do all the diapers. Do all the cleaning. And the child wants to talk. And the first words the child release is Daddy. Imagine, you know, having your child. And then, this is the first statement the child wants to utter. And he comes to you and says, The one who pays my school fees without me asking. The one who married my mother just to give birth to me. The managing director of John Bosco and Co. Company. You just waiting like, okay, uh-huh, I know, I know. What are you waiting for? You're just waiting for him to say, Father. Do you know something? If you have, ed- if you have ever adopted a child, or some of you who have um, house helps, or you have people living with you, you will know that one of the greatest struggles for any adopted child that is a bit matured now, I'm not talking about, you know, is to call the person who adopted the father or mother. It's difficult. He can call you auntie, can call you chair lady, he can call you chairwoman, you know, tablewoman, you know, stoolwoman, whatever you want. They will give you all the, but to call somebody father or mother, it's incredible. And look at Jesus had done this for us. So we can pray saying what? Our Father. Not just to say, oh God, the one whose leg is bigger than the king of Bonnie. No, 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 no. He knows. When you come to the place of prayer, you're not just praying to the God who fetches water without basket. When you come to the place of prayer, it is father and son talking. And that's why some of us are not honest in the place of prayer. You know why? Because the relationship between you and God is like that almighty God. The one who created the universe. The one whose um, nose, you know, fire comes out like, you know. (laughs) I know when you're saying that the one whose nose, fire is coming out and his mouth, sword is coming out. He's sitting on a big horse. You know, your mind is just thinking of all those war films. Hercules, like, like God is mounting. Then you just, you stay close to the NLNG fire. I just, and you know, to pray to that kind of God, you'll be afraid. So what do I even say to him? That's when you just lift up your and say, Father, you know I'm just a worm. There's nothing good in me. You know, and he's like, oh God. <laughs> no. Jesus did not die on the cross so God can become unapproachable. 
He died on the cross so we could approach him as father. So he says, when you pray, we're just looking at that statement, when you pray, don't even say, the father of Jesus. No, say, our father. Meaning that the father now belongs to us and Jesus. (laughs) You see why it is wrong to pray through the name of a saint? And you know, right now, we are even taught to pray in the name of the God of whatever church you attend. In fact, we are even taking the distance further. So somebody is in the midst of an accident. Instead of just saying, Father, help me. He's saying the name of the, of the God of the Father of this thing. Where are you going through all those routes? The name of the Father of the God of this commission. The name of the Father of the God of this ministry. The name of the Father of the God of this ministry is Father. Just call him Father. The same way he became the God of the Father of the Commission is the same way he became your God. The same blood was shed for you and for the Father of the Father of the Commission and the ministry. Even Jesus, talking to the disciples, say, when you pray, say, Our Father. Just say, Our Father. It changes everything about the way you pray. And that's why you can go before the Lord and say, You know, Father, I've got this in me. I just need help. You, that's prayer. Father, I'm struggling with this. I need your help. Father, I need this to get done. You, 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 your relationship with, you can stay and just pray that way for hours. God wants us to call him Father. Remember that song we used to sing? We'll sing it on Sunday. God's favorite name is Father. So many names that men have called you, but your favorite name is Father. Incredible how God wants us to call him as father. That's how God wants us to approach him. He doesn't want us to approach him from a concept of an almighty God. Is he almighty? Absolutely he is. But he is our father. You know, let me explain how this works. You know, right? You know, like if you're, if you have children, right? You know, you know why? Actually, the marriage institution God arranged, you know, like we should have families and all that. It's the easiest way to teach about the kingdom of God and how we relate to God. It's the easiest way. You know, you know, my daughter is four. You know, if not because of the way she has been trained, if she needs to get anything from me right now, you know what she's going to do? She's not going to care if I'm preaching. What's she going to do? She's going to walk up right here and ask me, maybe for water. That's what relationship does. But you know you can't try it. <laughs> Even if something is moving you, you tell yourself, no. Why have you chosen to disgrace me on a Wednesday night? You won't try it. What's the difference? Relationship. You might be in the office, right? You might be in the office. You are having this heavy meeting. And your little daughter comes. Where is she going to? She's going to come right to your lap, climb right and sit on your table. And meanwhile, the secretary in the office, when she wants to move a paper to clean, she's trembling, asking for permission. What's the difference? Father. When we go to pray before God, we sit on his lap and talk to him as a father will talk to a child. How do I know? We look at the story of the prodigal son. 
The guy made all the rehearsals. When I go, I will say, Father, I have sinned. I have done this. He typed his prayers. Did everything. But the scripture says the father was sitting from afar off. And when he saw him, the father ran out to him. Before he could do his rehearsals, the father has embraced him. And said, give him. You see, we cannot comprehend the mercy of God. The church is afraid to teach about the goodness and the mercy of God. But don't forget, it's the goodness of God that turns men to repentance. And embrace them. He says, Father. He says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And then, oh, I love that story well. Because that really, um, the story um, shows the spirit of religion. The religious brother. The one who never does anything wrong. Came and heard the sound of rejoicing. And stood up and said, what's going on in the house? His religious people are never happy. Once you smile too much, say, ah, why are you laughing? This world is not your home. We are just strangers here. (laughs) They don't like rejoicing. They are never laughing. (laughs) They never laugh. And then, he says, why, why are you, what was going on? And the servant said, your brother had, had come back. Instead of the guy to run and go into the house and say, my brother, he gets angry. And say, I've been serving you all these days. You cannot even give me a goat, not a goat. Ah! And you call yourself my father. I'm disappointed. No, this is my own version. <laughs> and the father says, your brother was dead, but he's now alive. Religious people will never rejoice at a backslider who finds his way to Christ. Somebody was a prostitute, gave her life to Christ, accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, and the next day she's born again and living a good life. We can't contain that. We want her to pay for her sins. That's why we kill people. And then you will not start, you know, that's when you start harassing God. Lord, I've paid my tithe. I have not missed one. You know, people tell you that. Wave your tithe book to God. Lord, I've paid. Look at this page. Page 101 to page 102. The church pastor stamped it. I fasted for seven days. I did this. I even gave pastor shoes to preach. And every time pastor called for workers who were there, and God says, come on, come on, can you talk to me as father? Don't talk to me as an employee. Don't come with your righteousness. They are like filthy rags. The difference between you and the prodigal son was that he accepted that he had a father. And that he knew that even when he messed up, he could run back home and his father would help him out. When you pray, say our father. You know, you need to hear some believers talk about praying to God. They are not sure even if God is going to answer. You hear a child of God say, you know, I'm begging God to just help me. Begging God? Do you know how embarrassing that is? Like, your child comes now, and he's talking to all that children. You hear your child say, you know, I've been begging my father for school fees. <laughs> Something is wrong, right? Have your children, well, God has blessed most of you, but have your children ever come to you to ask for school fees? You know, they don't ask for school fees with the point that you need to plan for it. You understand? I remember when my son was young, I was traveling. So, you know, I've, I don't ask those questions anymore. So I said, what should I buy for you? I don't ask those questions anymore. So when I'm traveling, I say, let's pray, thank God for Johnny Messies and just pray and come back. Whatever you see, you have seen. So I asked him, what should I buy for you? He says, airplane. So I was excited. So if I left, said, the airplane is not that small one. I said, which one? He said, the one that flies up. I said, 
that time it was the early days of ministry. I said, even me that I'm traveling, I don't even have money to enter. Not to even talk of you. Do you understand? To buy the ticket and enter. So at least whatever I'm buying, I will know that. Uh, I said, okay, no problem. You know, he was not asking me with the basis of, can my father do it? His mindset is the fact that he is father. He has the capacity. How many of us pray to God and wonder if he can do stuff? We even pray to God and try to reduce the thing. Say, okay, God, don't worry. If you can't do this one, eh? Don't worry. We know Buhari is the governor, is the governor of, the, of the country now. Uh, just manage to do this one. You can leave the back pain, but just heal my foot. At least let me... We, we, we come to God like... You know... And then you hear people say, I pray, child, but you know, heaven help those who help themselves. Revelation 52 verse 2. Do you understand that? They want to still help God. Why? He's not capable. You know, we don't really know him. We don't know if he will do this. And you know why? Because we don't know him as father. He's one strange God there who crosses, who lights firewood without matches. <laughs> I went somewhere. And the way they were praising God, I was wondering. I said, which one is this? Are we serving the same God? You know, the greatest reflection of praise is to live a life that pleases the Father. That's the greatest reflection. Anybody can sing what you're singing. A guy can come out from the gutter right now without even being born again. Take the lyrics of those songs and sing them better. Yeah. Have we not heard secular musicians? Aro Kelly and Co. were doing Christian songs. I believe I can fly. <laughs> and they were singing it in church. These are just words. What's the greatest expression of praise? That our lives are pleasing to the Father. Because we are created for His good pleasure. To the praise and to the glory of His name. So He says, Our Father. Five more minutes. Okay. What's the next line of prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, we call him Father because we want to pray for the execution of his will on the earth. Now, this tells us why we call him Father. Why do we call him Father? Because as our Father, he has a desire that he wants to see fulfilled on the earth. So, what does prayer do for us? As sons of the Father, we commune with our Father to get his heart desire for the earth. And we pray it into manifestation. That's why we pray. In a nutshell, that's why we pray. Why do we pray? To establish the kingdom of God on the earth as it is in heaven. Through our prayers, we establish the kingdom of God. So we look at Bonnie, for instance. We look at our finances, for instance. We look at the way things are going around us, for instance. And we look at the word of God. What God tells us about the kingdom. Because in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Put it up for me quickly, son. Romans 14, verse 17. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if we don't see these three things working in any area of our life, we know that the kingdom of God is not manifested in that place. We begin to pray the kingdom. We begin to pray the kingdom into our offices. We begin to pray the kingdom into our homes. We begin to pray the kingdom into our community. When we see something going wrong, we begin to release the kingdom of God upon that place. Release the righteousness, the peace of God, and the joy of the Holy Ghost upon that place. Believers are supposed to be the most happiest people you ever find on earth. 
It's the joy of the Holy Ghost. This joy is independent of circumstances. Romans 14, 17. This joy is independent of circumstances. Hallelujah. That's why we pray. To find out the heart of the Father and execute it on the earth. Praise the name of Jesus. That's why we pray. Executing the will of God on the earth. Turn with me quickly to Psalm 115 verse 16. Psalm 115 and we're going to read verse 16. I'll just say this in five minutes and then we can close. I spent a lot of time talking about the fatherhood of God. Praise God. Psalm 115 verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. Why do we pray, even though God knows what we need? We are the ones with the authority on the earth. The earth is our domain. I know this might shock some of us. God needs our permission to get things done on the earth. We are his sons. He has given us the earth. So when Adam couldn't take charge of the garden, God had to send a man in the person of Jesus to restore that dominion. Now we have that dominion. I'll give you one, two examples quickly. When, when, when God needed to get the gospel to Cornelius, in Acts 10, the angel came. Look at this. Look at this. The angel came and says, Hey Cornelius, da 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 da, you need to do that. You need to. The angel should have just told Cornelius, Jesus died for you. Say you believe in him. Right? Angels could have done, but angels don't preach the gospel. He says, send for a man called Peter. Disguise Peter's house. And you know, Peter is a religious guy. He won't go to the house of the Gentiles. He was hungry, so he had a dream. Peter killed and ate. Peter told God, what, what is, this one is unclean. I have not eaten. I will not eat. God, and God says, Peter, what I have called clean, don't call unclean. Because uh, Cornelius was a Gentile. Peter had to go and preach. In fact, the scripture says, why Peter opened his mouth to preach? The Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the gospel. The Holy Ghost was just waiting for Peter to start preaching. Everything was ready. Cornelius was ready. But he needed a man to initiate the process. To give him the legal access to do what he needs to do. God might be wanting to pour so much righteousness and joy and peace in your situation, but you haven't given him the access to train his will to be executed in that situation. And sometimes, instead of us going and saying, Father, what do you want about this situation? We already know how God should solve it. How many of you think we already know how God should solve, people, solve things? in our, and That's why we, we kill people all the time. Lord, this guy is against my promotion. Kill him. And then God just brings his gun. I say, you are against the promotion of my daughter. Pew, pew. And the next day, come, praise the Lord, after the last convention, two people died. <laughs> you know, your wicked intention towards people can literally kill them. We are spirit beings. Be careful what you wish people. Because the enemy can activate your desire for people and make it happen. And you, are, you, you, you accredit that to God's account. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? Why don't you just pray God's will and allow God to do what he wants to do? So we can look at our city right now and say, Bonnie Island, let's pray the will of God here.
Let's pray for righteousness. Let's pray for joy. Let's pray for the peace of God upon the land. So we go to the heart of the Father and we establish the kingdom of God. There's no safe place in the world. The safest place is the secret place of the Most High. Psalm 91. And that's where we live. Hallelujah. This is why we pray. Why do we pray? We pray because God has given us authority over the earth. So when Jesus, quickly now, when Jesus, I'll talk about this on Sunday. The Bible says James was a man of like passion, like us. But I'll just talk about that on Sunday because of our time. But when Jesus, when they were crossing, right, Jesus told them to cross, go over to the other side. And the sea came. uh, The storm came. The disciples were, oh, master, carry not that we perish. You know, accusing Jesus. And Jesus was sleeping. And when Jesus got up, he says, peace be still. He said, oh, you of little faith. I said, peace be still. I said, how long will I be with you? I said, peace be still. And the winds and everything ceased. And he says, what manner of man is this that even the winds obey him? Even the earth obey him? Even creation obey him? When Jesus was praying upon that peace be still, he didn't say, you know, when he needed to pray, I says, oh, God, where is this storm coming from? I don't care who started this storm or who did not start this storm. Wherever this storm is coming from, I return this storm back to send. It just said, peace be still. You know, somehow, the way we pray reflects how much authority we think we have. It's like, if I walk up to this place and my son is moving around, and I say, hey, sit down. He will sit down. But if you were to do that, you would now start. Who is his father? Why did they not train him well? Where is he coming from? Uh, oh boy, try and sit down. Do you understand? You, because you are trying to use all those words to generate authority. But when you have the authority of God in you, you can feel pains in your body and just say, peace be still. Not, oh, this pain that I'm feeling. I don't care who brought it. I don't even care. You, what? What's that, what's that nonsense for? Take this pain, remove it, send it to the desert. What are you, what are you saying? You now start tracing history of pain. It's just lack of who you are. God wants you to do bigger things for Him. You're talking about pain. You need money? Ask Him. How much money do you need? Ask the Father. Lord, this is our need. This is what we'll need. This is it. This is it. And pray and ask the wisdom of God to execute that. Before you start uprooting and deprooting spirits of poverty, I uproot. Anyone that say, I should not do business. The business that say, what are you doing? Talk to your father. Sometimes we are too concerned about people in our Christian life. They are not part of the equation. This thing is between you and God. It's father and son. Every time you stand in the place of prayer, you must drag people's matter into your prayer. Oh God, there are some people who have said, and God is saying, talk to me. Let's talk. Every time there must be people. Every time there must be people. And in Him, that's your flow. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, when you pray, say our Father. And he says, pray about my kingdom first before you start praying about your daily bread. Because my kingdom is of a higher priority. Pray about my will. Pray that my will will be done on earth 
before you start saying, oh God, give us this day our daily bread. Say, pray about my will. What's God's will for your family? What's God's will for your finances? What's God's will for this community? What's God's will for the souls that are perishing? Pray about my will. Get engaged in kingdom business. Hallelujah. One of the things we're going to do in the month of June is to pray for all the countries in Africa, one country a day, praying that the will of God will be executed in those nations. Imagine if you just take that simple responsibility of praying for one nation a day for the rest of the year. We have close to about 200 nations. It will take you 200 days to just pray that. It's a fantastic way to pray. Just going before the Lord. Taking these nations before the Lord. Take the name of all the states in Nigeria. Pray for one state a day. Take the name of all the villages in, in River State. Get the map. Pray about them once a day. Once a day. Get yourself involved in kingdom prayers. Get the name of ministers, all the pastors you know. Start praying for them every day. Instead of saying, ah, these pastors, I don't know what they're doing with just money. How can a pastor, ah, how can a pastor be driving that kind of car pastor? Who is the man of God? Whoa, you should feed all the poor people in the world because he's a man of God. Just pray. A believer who prays will not gossip. If you find someone who gossips a lot, they don't have a prayer life. I can assure you that. Because every time they go before the Father in prayer, he will point out that to them. You are using your mouth wrongly. You are an intercessor. You are somebody who executes my will on the earth. If you find someone who talks a lot about other people, he's always talking, always talking, always talking. He's not a praying person. Because the more you pray, the more the Spirit will train you to restrain your mouth because your words will become effective and powerful over the life of people. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.